0: Do any of you remember playground politics uh, from the time that you were in elementary school? Um, You might have stood out on the playground waiting to be chosen. It was always the kids that did the choosing, right? When there was some kind of team sport out there on the playground, the kids somehow determined who the leaders were going to be and the leaders determined who were going to be on their team and you may have stood there to the last as you waited for someone to select you. Uh, Teachers, uh, no doubt, have reformed the system. They have seen it all happen before. Of course, the children that are the MVPs and the ones that are the BFFs, you know what that means, don't you? The most valuable players and the best friends forever are the ones that always get chosen, right? They're the ones that get selected first and gathered in. And of course, the others, all of us have the plague. Um, you might have felt that way when you were a kid, you know, or you may have been one of the most valuable players. I don't know. But this selection process can be scathing. It can be so harmful. And even the teacher's efforts today that might have sought to make it more balanced, more just, realize that at a certain point they cannot fix it all that this is just a part of the world in which we live and it is impossible to undo it. Except by those who have learned that this is not God's way whatsoever. This longing that we have to be selected is a part of all of our lives and it is a part of every person. This verse of Scripture that starts the reading for this day, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This is a very revealing passage of Scripture. It is revealing because God has chosen us as his children and, in fact, has revealed to the world and even to we who want to be chosen by adoption, any process that God can come up with, that we would be his. You remember that story of Jesus as he was sharing with disciples in the house. His mother comes to the door because rumor had it that He was doing things that were out of character for someone who would be referred to as a rabbi. And so they came to take him home. And as they knocked there at the door, someone turned to Jesus and said, your mother and your brothers are at the door. Now, at this point, Jesus goes off in a very difficult direction, at least for Mary. I know it must have been, because Jesus looked at those that were gathered there and he said, who are my mother and my brothers You can imagine how Mary took that, right? (laughs) I can imagine that Jesus was looking into the eyes of those that were in the room with him and saying, are you with me here? I mean, you know the connection that we have. Aren't we family here? Aren't we connected with each other? Don't you understand that this is family for us I can imagine that the conversation with Mary later that evening was difficult though as Jesus said to her, I did not mean that I didn't love you, Mary. I love you, mother. You're one of the best mothers in the world. I will always love you. It was just an illustration. It was just an illustration. (laughs) And yet it was at the heart of who he was. This is a very inclusive gospel. Why, Jesus has chosen us. How in the world could that be? (laughs) Considering who we are, this ragtag group of folk, considering ourselves as we look at our own difficulties with life, how could it be that God could choose us, that Jesus could select us to be a part of his family? This is the nature of the Christian gospel. This is the nature of this inclusive calling. Our denomination is struggling with this right now. You'll hear more about it as the year goes by. But this is at the heart of the matter for me. Some people seem to have limits on how inclusive God's love can be. I think that we become too focused on looking at other people whom God might wish to exclude rather than looking at ourselves to see who he has included. You and I have stripped the bounds of what it means to be sinners saved by God's grace. Jesus has chosen us Christ, in doing so, gives to us not just a place, but gives to us an identity. Groucho Marx used to say, I refuse to be a part of any club that will have me as a member. (laughs) And it seems to me that this would be a good motto for us in the Christian church, to at least think to ourselves, tongue-in-cheek, that we don't deserve to be here, how, how could we keep anyone else from being a part of, this? God is doing this. We're not doing this, God is doing this, and God has had his great arms wrapped around us, drawing us into himself, despite who we are. God loves us as his own. As Jesus made his post-Easter appearances, he appeared to those disciples that were on the Emmaus Road. He was walking with them, unbeknownst to them. They were chatting with him as if he didn't know the situation. They begin to tell him, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know the events that have occurred here? And yet in the process of that conversation, he begins to not only tell them what had occurred, but then he unfolds that extra layer of scripture upon the events of those days and begins to interpret for them the meaning of what had occurred. They had not encountered such And in the midst of this, they were so enamored with this stranger that was walking with them on the road, they said, won't you eat supper with us? It was only in eating supper that when he took the bread and broke it and he gave it to them, that their eyes were open, it became vivid. It became vivid for them who he was. And even more than that, it became vivid for them what he was about, what he was about. Because he was not simply giving us space. He was giving us identity. I want to be. I want to be a child of God. Don't you? I want to be a child of God. That's not something I can make happen on my own. Regardless of how much I try. This is something that God alone does. He is the one that adopts us as his children. And God bless him for doing it because it literally changes everything. You remember the story of him? He comes to the Sea of Galilee and he's standing there on the shore. The disciples have already gone back to their fishing. They've already gone back to their fishing. And he hollers and he says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat and when they do, they cannot pull them back in for the load of fish that's there. Peter knows immediately. He jumps into the sea, swims to the shore, And there in conversation with Jesus, Jesus says, do you love me? Exactly the words that needed to be heard by Peter. In fact, the very words that you and I need to hear. Do you love me? This is about family here. Do you love me? You know everything about me, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus is not creating just space. He is creating identity. We are the children of God. And that is a very inclusive thing to say. I love that old movie, Cider House Rules. It has its points of, of uh, where it pushes the edge. And so those of you who are, are, uh, are easily offended may not need to watch it at certain points, but it is a great movie of years past Michael Kane plays the part of Dr. Wilbur Larsh, who is the director of this orphanage. And in this movie, I mean, he has, this, this character has a set of demons that are working on him all through the movie. He's dealing with things. But I can tell you one thing about Dr. Larsh. Dr. Larsh loved the kids in that orphanage. Oh, he loved them. He loved every one of them. Every night, Every night before they went to bed, he would go into the room where they were already in bed. Just before they lay their heads down on their pillow, he would greet them with the words, closing the day, good night, you princes of Maine. Good night, you kings of New England. Ha) <sighs> Every night he would speak these words to them. Don't you think that made a difference in their lives? Now, I know this is a fictional movie. The idea of it, though, is so powerful to be told in order that you would believe that this would be the case and you buy into it. The more we hear that we are the children of God, The more that we think that we are the children of God, the more that we tell each other that we are the children of God, the more we will live into that reality. It is not unlike the Blue Mile, just a short distance from here, right? I mean, the South Main Revitalization Committee came up with the idea of calling that area the Blue Mile. It is an area that simply has needed revitalization. It has needed attention. And yet somebody put a name on it. I cannot drive down that section of our city without thinking to myself something good's going on here. In fact, I can see it. Even when a new shop opens up, even when somebody puts up a new set of lights, when a house has a new coat of paint, I think to myself, that's the Blue Mile happening. This is Statesboro, Georgia, friends. This is Statesboro. That's the Blue Mile. And watch it. Watch it. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the day will come where that passage from where the lights welcome us into the Blue Mile, that passage all the way to the courthouse will be completely transformed. And I tell you, it's because, it's because of the name. And we could call it South Main Street, but nothing would have happened in these past two years. How is it that you call yourself Verse three here in this passage says, and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And what is our hope? Our hope is that he will continue to claim us as his children, making us his own, every day dealing with the nature of who we are, bringing us close to him. A few years back, during that period of time in which South Africa was struggling with its own self-identity, there was a, a tribe there in South Africa, the Babimba tribe, that they discovered had a very low, low rate of criminal activity within it. When more investigation occurred, they came upon the reality that this tribe had learned a very precious way of dealing with those who were social deviants, those who had antisocial behavior, even criminal behavior. Because when someone did something wrong, the leaders of the village would call everyone to come forward. The person that had done the wrong he or she was placed in the middle of the circle. Children, youth, adults around the circle began to call out to that person not a thing that they had done wrong. They did not speak, it was not allowed that they speak any word of accusation against the individual the entire circle would call out all of the good that they could remember that that person had done in any way until they wore themselves out with the activity sometimes this would go on for days they would get back together and meet again they would get back together and meet again sharing those things that the community could remember that was good about this person. It was a bombardment of the person with positive thoughts of who they were. Is it remarkable that in this tribe there would be less criminal activity than any other place in South Africa. You and I are called to a very serious business and this business is participating with Christ in taking away the sins of the world. It says here in the fourth verse, everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness you know that he was revealed to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. It says something very strange in the next verse, the sixth verse. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous, Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. I added that last verse on there. No one abides in him who sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Boy, that would leave us all out, wouldn't it? What in the world is he getting at here? I love to read other translations of the scripture. And particularly at times, I enjoy reading from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, which is called The Message. Some of you may have a copy of it. I know you can get it on your phone. Let me read a section of chapter one that Eugene Peterson has paraphrased, and then I want to read the basic, the, the verses that have just been read for us this morning in this paraphrase. From chapter one, if we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim but if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. As the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's son purges all our sin. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them and we won't let, he won't let us down, He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God and make a liar out of him. A claim like that only shows off our ignorance of God. And now the passage this morning, including that extra verse that I added, that eighth verse. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. That's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him and in seeing him become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus's life as a model of, uh, for our own. All who indulge in a sinful life are dangerously lawless For sin is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There is no sin in him. And sin is not part of his program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. They've got him all backward. So, my dear children... Don't let anyone divert you from the truth. It's the person who acts right, who is right. Just as we see it lived out in our righteous Messiah. Those who make a practice of sin are straight from the devil. The pioneer in the practice of sin. The son of God entered the scene to abolish the devil's ways. Are we conforming? to this inclusive work of God for us and for others. We, we are chosen to be like him because we are his children and he seeks to make us in his image. We are called to be children of God, children of God. God help us all as we seek to be his children.